This morning we are looking at the Great Commission because because this is a missions giving month where we're supporting the uh, IMB uh, and we are memorizing a new verse of scripture each month. I thought it would be good if we would focus on the Great Commission this morning. And so uh, we have the verse on the screen and I would like for us to read this together, okay? Uh, the Bible says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. So I want you to memorize this passage of scripture in the month of December. Maybe you already have, have it memorized and this will be a good reminder. But uh, this morning, I want to preach on this passage because this, this passage, this verse is a mission of our church. We are commanded by Christ to uh, go to uh, all the nations and make disciples. So let me just um, give you kind of the background of Matthew chapter 28. Jesus is now resurrected uh, from the dead. Uh, In Matthew chapter 28, the women have gone to the tomb and uh, they know that Jesus has been has been raised. That Jesus is no longer there, and uh, the angels tell them to go back and uh, let the brethren know that Jesus is alive. And so they're excited, and on their way back, they meet Jesus, and they are overwhelmed, and they fall down and they worship uh, Jesus. And uh, as you continue to read in that chapter. The guards that were at the tomb, uh, they went to the religious leaders and told them that uh, Jesus was no longer there. And so they concocted a story. The religious leaders concocted a story, tell people that, um, that the disciples came and they stole the body. They don't want to admit that uh, Jesus rose from the grave. And so this is the first part of Matthew chapter 28. And then the disciples, as they were told to meet Jesus in in Galilee. Now, Matthew chapter 28, there's a lot more details to post-resurrection that we don't read in Matthew's gospel. But uh, in this passage of scripture, the disciples go to Galilee. This is where they're supposed to go. And there is, uh, the Bible says the multitude is there uh, or the disciples are there. But in verses uh, 16 and 17, I want to I read that for just a moment. Verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So 
there were more than just the disciples there at this point because they believed. Uh, um, Thomas, one of the disciples, uh, he doubted in the beginning, but uh, he's been confronted by Jesus. He's touched uh, the, the, the nail-scarred hands. He's touched the, 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 um, the hole in his side. He believes. He, he knows that this is Jesus as both his Lord and his God. But there are others uh, who have doubted. You know, Paul speaks of uh, Jesus being with a multitude in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 16. This could be that situation. This can be that scenario. But the Bible says that some doubted. That, that's amazing. That's astounding to me that some doubted. Here they have the glorified, resurrected Jesus Christ in all his glory and yet some choose not to believe. Still some choose to doubt. And with that context, then Jesus shares with them what we call the Great uh, Commission uh, this morning. And so I want us to go through these three verses in regard to the Great Commission. Understand this when it comes to the Great Commission that this is not a suggestion. This is a command. Jesus says, make disciples. This is a mandate that Jesus has placed on the New Testament church, that Jesus has placed upon every Christian. If you're a Christian in this service this morning, this command is for you. This command is for me. And so as we look at this command this morning, I want to share three points. The first is this, that as we fulfill the Great Commission, or if we are to fulfill the Great Commission, number one, we've got to believe the power of Jesus' claim. Not only do we need to believe the power of Jesus' claim, but we need to follow the plan that Jesus has laid out in making disciples. And then number three, just know that his presence is going to be with you always as we look at verse 20. So the Great Commission begins with a declaration. In verse 18, Jesus says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus' claim is that he has all authority. And when you look at that word authority, it means both power and privilege. There's two Greek words that, uh, that describe uh, authority. One is the word dunamis, and that's the word for power. And then the other one is exousia. And that's the word describing, that is the Greek word for authority in this passage of Scripture. Jesus has been given power. He's been given right. He has been given privilege by God the Father. Now turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 for a moment. Philippians chapter 2. Again, this is 
This is post-resurrection. Jesus um, has, has humbled himself. Uh, he's, he's become a man. He's left heaven's glory, has become a man, has uh, been obedient to the Father, even to the point of death. And then in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, he says, Paul says this, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. We're not just talking about Christians at this point. We're talking about everyone is going to bend a knee before the Lord Jesus Christ. And every tongue is going to confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And for those who are without Christ, who bend the knee and confess Jesus Christ is Lord, that's that's not, that's not going to be a saving faith at that point. For them, it is too late. But regardless of their rejection of Christ, Paul says, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the authority. That is the power. That is the privilege. That is the right that God the Father has bestowed upon his son. And so all this power um, comes from the father. Jesus answers to no one else but his father. And uh, we see this clearly in the gospel. Jesus commanded authority. People just understood this when they, that when they were underneath his teaching. Jesus taught with authority. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 says, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority. Jesus didn't quote anybody. Oh, you might say he quoted Moses. Yeah, he quoted Moses, but you know what? Moses was was quoting Jesus. Jesus is the word. Jesus quoted nobody. He footnoted nothing. What he taught came from within, came from his own authority. Jesus had authority and power to heal the sick and to cast out demons in Matthew chapter 8. Jesus controlled all weather in Matthew chapter 9 or Matthew chapter 8. Jesus had the authority to forgive sin, Matthew chapter 9. Jesus had the right to call those who would become children of God in John 1, 12. God gave Jesus the authority to execute 
all judgment. John chapter 5. And Jesus had authority over his own resurrection. The Bible says in John 10, 18, Jesus says, No man takes my life from me. I lay it down of myself. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it again. This is the power. This is the privilege. This is the right of the Lord Jesus Christ. His scope is all. He's he's over everything. And his sphere is both in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And the disciples understood this. We see this in Matthew chapter 28. After the women had um, been told by the angels, and as they were going back to the brethren, the, the other disciples, Jesus, they, they came across Jesus. And when they saw Jesus, they clung to Jesus. They worshiped the, the Jesus, the Bible says in verse 9. And then the disciples did the very same thing in verse 17 of this chapter. Now understand their worship, church. These were Jews. And Jews worshipped one God. And yet these Jews knew that Jesus was God and worthy of their worship. And Jesus didn't refuse their worship. He knew exactly what they were doing And what they were doing was appropriate. They were worshiping God. And so this is Jesus' claim. And if you and I are going to fulfill the great commandment, if we're going to do the great commandment, we've got to believe the power that Jesus claimed. All Authority is his. But not only must we believe the power that Jesus claims, but we need to follow Jesus' plan when it comes to the Great Commission. And that is make disciples. We need to be reproducing ourselves. Now, what's a disciple? Simply said, a disciple is a follower of, of Jesus Christ. A disciple is an obedient follower of Jesus Christ. A disciple who submitted to a teacher, and that teacher being the Lord Jesus Christ. They are a believing learner. That's what a disciple looks like. And that's Jesus's expectation for every one of his disciples, that we are the obedient follower of him. Where do we go in making disciples? Is it just in Ridgecrest? No. Jesus says, "Go go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Verse 
verse 18. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We need to go to all nations. This message is for everyone. You know, one of the mottos of our, the motto of our church is helping all people love and follow Jesus. This is what we need to be doing as Christians here at Emmanuel. And as we look at Matthew's gospel and hearing the words that uh, to take this message to all the nations, we understand as we study Jesus's life that Jesus didn't have favorites. Jesus showed no partiality. His love crossed all ethnicities, all social boundaries. Jesus loved everyone. And Jesus took the gospel to everyone whom he crossed paths with. You know, we see this idea of uh, the Great Commission crossing ethnicities and social boundaries right there in Matthew chapter 1. As we look at the genealogy of Jesus, they're not all Jews. There are outsiders whom God used to bring in God's promise of a Messiah. We see Tamar. We see Rahab. We see Ruth. We see Bathsheba. God using these Gentiles uh, to fulfill his promise that he made to Abraham in Genesis chapter, or to uh, Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, and to uh, Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. When we look at the ministry of Jesus, he, he healed and he ministered to people from all walks of life. We read about the centurion in Matthew chapter 8, and he had a, a servant that, uh, that was deathly ill. And he, he begged the Lord to heal him. And because of that centurion's faith, the Bible says that Jesus healed his servant. We see in Matthew chapter 15, uh, the Canaanite woman uh, pleading with Jesus for her daughter who was uh, demon-possessed. And Jesus healed that Canaanite mom's uh, demon-possessed daughter. And so Jesus loves everyone, not just the Jew. He loves the Gentile as well. And Jesus, through the Great Commission, is telling his disciples and in essence telling his church, telling each of his followers to go to all the nations and make disciples. And that's what the month of December is all about as we are asking God's people to sacrificially give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. You know, there's a lot of drama taking place in our convention right now. But there is one organization that is rock solid, that is worthy of our sacrificial giving. And that is to the International Mission Board. And so in the month of December, as a, 
as a birthday gift to Jesus this year, I want you to be praying about what God would have you to give to Lottie Moon, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Every dollar, every cent goes to foreign missions overseas. Nothing goes to overhead expenses. It all goes to the field. And our missionaries need our encouragement. They need our financial support. They need our prayers. And so, church, let's be sacrificial this month of December. Now, in thinking about the, uh, the Great Commission and that the command is to make disciples, how are we to do that? Uh, and Jesus gives us several ways, important, important points here. Number one, in verse 19, he says, go. Not stay, not wait for them to come to us or to you. No, he says, go. Church, this needs to be a way of life. This needs to be a Christian um, lifestyle. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.20 that we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent the king. We represent his kingdom. And we are to um, implore people to come to Christ. Let me read uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20. Paul says this, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, listen, God making his appeal to the sinner, God making his appeal through us. We are his voice. We, we are his voice. We are his mouthpiece. Paul goes on to say, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God, begging them to, to be reaching out to them and begging them, reaching out to them. This, this is our mandate. We, we are to be imploring. We are to begging those who are without Christ to come and know him. We can't force them to make that decision, but there's got to be a compassion. There's got to be a burden, a desire to be telling others about Christ. This is the ministry of the Bible. It started in Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve sinned, they disobeyed God and they ate of the fruit of the tree in the, in the middle of the garden. What did God do? He came in pursuit of them. He came and was asking them, asking Adam, Adam, where are you? He wanted to reconcile them with himself. We see this in, in the ministry with God. We see this in the ministry of Jesus in Luke chapter 19. The Bible says that Christ came to seek and to save those who are lost. This was Jesus' reason for coming to the earth. And then in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17 uh, we are to be like the Spirit who says, Come, come to the Father. 
This is God's ministry. This is Christ's ministry. This is the Holy Spirit's ministry. This needs to be our our ministry because we represent him. So how do we do that? How do we go? Well, we tell them our story, how God saved us, how we came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We can communicate with them through text messages or emails or, or links to um, uh, different uh, ways to, to share the gospel message that will, will minister uh, to people who are hurting where they're at. But we need to take the initiative. We need to be going. We need to be thinking about who's our one. Remember that plan that we, we had in 2020? <laughs> we started that out in January 2020. We had a sermon series on who's your one. And then guess what happened in March? COVID. And we forgot about that. Church, we need to go back to that. And so my question to you this morning is, who's your one? And you're here and saying, Pastor, I don't have one. What are you talking about? Who's a person in your life who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And God has brought you into that person's life. How can you be an ambassador to them? How can God help you to fulfill the great commission through the one that he has given you? So we need to take the initiative. We need to show compassion to those who are without Christ. And so going, it requires going. Then it requires baptizing. Okay, we share, we share the message of Christ. Uh, and in sharing the, the message, and, and they respond, and they repent of their sin, and they place their faith in Jesus Christ, then the next step in that individual's life is baptism. It is a public profession of their faith in Christ, of their response to the gospel. And the purpose of baptism is an opportunity for them to testify. First, it symbolizes what Jesus has done in their life, having died for their sin and having rose from the grave. And then for the believer, it's a picture, it's a testimony of them having died to their old self and being raised to new life in Christ. They need to get baptized and you need to encourage them to, to be obedient to the Lord through the waters of baptism. Now, I want you to see uh, the trini- Trinitarian nature of this baptism. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is Trinitarian in nature. It it involves the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we've walked through that the last three weeks in the book of Ephesians, haven't we? Because the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is involved 
in our salvation. We were chosen by the Father. We were redeemed by the Son. And we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Our salvation required all of God. And praise God, He is the one who secures you. He is the one who keeps you. And He has given us this Holy Spirit as a guarantee that we are going to receive the full inheritance at the end of time for all eternity. And so baptizing is a part of the Great Commission, fulfilling great, the, fulfilling the Great Commission. And the number three is teaching people, instructing people. Not only is there to be a conversion experience, but then beyond that conversion experience, there's a lot to learn. And in making disciples, we need to teach those disciples not just part of what Jesus commanded, but all that Jesus commanded and how God wants us as his people to live our lives. We're not just to teach them just to know the Bible, but to do the Bible and to teach them to observe all that he has commanded us. Teach them to obey. And so when it comes to teaching, we can't teach the word selectively. We must teach the complete word of God, the full counsel of God. Not just teach on the subjects that that we're most passionate about. But we have a responsibility as followers of Christ to teach his followers all that Christ has commanded. Teach the truth. The whole truth. And nothing but the truth. Why? Because God has inspired it all. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Friends, the Apostle Paul never shrunk away, shrink away from declaring the whole counsel of God's word. And he paid a very serious price. And if you look at Acts chapter 20, as he's meeting with um, the elders from Ephesus, you know, let me just read Acts chapter 20. I'm going to read two verses. Acts 20 verses 26 and 27. I testify you to this day that I am innocent 
of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Paul is telling these elders. He had spent over three years of uh, a teaching the church at Ephesus. And he said, I am innocent of the blood of all men. And in essence, what he's saying is, if you all die and go to hell, it's not my fault. <laughs> I told you the truth. Church, Christian, we need to make disciples. We need to share our story. We need to be burdened for the loss. We need to beg them, implore them to come into a relationship with Christ. And you know what? If we're going to be successful, this is something God's going to do. We don't win them to Christ. The Holy Spirit brings them to Christ. It's our responsibility to be a witness. But we need to be people of prayer. We need to be praying for our one, for our one. Opportunities to give testimony of what Christ has done in our life, imploring them to make a decision for Christ, following them in the waters of baptism, and teaching them a whole counsel of God's word. Now, how do we teach? How do we how how can you get involved? in the great commandment, the great commission here at Emmanuel. Be a teacher. Be a teacher in a particular age group, whether it be preschool or children or youth or women's ministry or men's ministry or or a Sunday school teacher uh, here at Emmanuel. Teach. Take the opportunity to teach the word of God. We have a mom's ministry. And we have lots of moms who aren't connected with a church and they come and uh, they have a, a, a social a, a gathering here in the dining hall and they send their little ones to mopettes. Volunteer to be a mopette leader, to be a teacher in, with that age group. Get involved with Sunday school. Again, uh, who's your one? Um, Work in the nursery. You know, as we're in our service this morning, we have volunteers in the nursery taking care of those little ones so that mom and dad can be in the service and be hearing the gospel. You are part of the teaching ministry here at Emmanuel. But God wants us to teach the whole counsel of God's word. So believe the power of Jesus' claim. Follow the plan. We've just talked about the plan that Jesus has laid out in making disciples. And then number three, in verse 20, know his presence is with you always. Let me read verse 20 again. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always always to the end of the age. There was a pastor who was meeting with uh, one of the elderly ladies in, in the church. And uh, he, he read 
to her Matthew chapter 28. And as he concluded with verse 20, he, he, he asked the, 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 the sister in Christ, isn't God's promise to us wonderful? And that sister in Christ looked at her pastor in the eyes and said, Pastor, that's not a promise. That's a fact. Jesus didn't say, I will be with you. Jesus told his disciples, and I am with you even to the end of the age. He's with you, friend. You can't get any closer to God than you already are in Christ. We've been looking at that in the book of Ephesians. Jesus is always going to be there for his children. You know, as we look at the book of Matthew, I am with you. Our book ends in Matthew. We see then in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible says, The virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. And then in concluding Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus' presence is never going to go away. It will not fade away. And we are to carry this commandment, fulfill this mission through the power of Jesus and through the presence of Jesus. Divine sovereignty is not only on our side, but divine sovereignty is by our side. I am with you. Let's pray. with heads bowed and eyes closed. My question to you is, who's your one? Who are you praying for? Who does God want you to be an ambassador to who doesn't know Christ? My friend, If you don't have one, ask Jesus for one. He'll give you a name. And ask God to use you. You are not on your own in doing the Great Commission. He is with you. Be faithful. He doesn't ask you to be successful. He asks you to be faithful. It's God 
who is going to make the change in that person's heart. Father, thank you for this fact. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you did in being obedient to the Father so that the Father could give you, hand you all authority both in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Thank you that we don't do this in the power of our flesh or you expect us to do this in the power of our flesh. God, you want us to walk in your power, in your authority, believing only what you can do. So Lord, Help us to be faithful for our one. That God, that you will use it in their life to draw them to yourself. And knowing that, God, that you have chosen them before the foundation of the world, that you have redeemed them through the blood of Christ. And you have secured them with their full inheritance through the person of the Holy Spirit. It's all you. And you ask us to be faithful and to be used of you. We don't understand it all. But God, we want to be faithful. Help us to get back as a church to what matters most. Help us not to be distracted anymore because of of COVID and everything else that's going on in the world. Help us to be focused on your great commission. And I thank you for what you will do in and through us and among us. In Jesus' name, amen.